Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're going to be continuing on with the book called The Gift of Tongues. We'll be in chapters, uh, chapter 3, which is pages 19 to 23. And the title of the chapter is called The Gift of Speaking in Tongues. The guest call-in number is 917 889 8827 that's 9178898827 the gift of speaking in tongues chapter 3 of the gift of tongues pages 19 to 23 it is assumed that no one can speak a foreign language until he has first learned it however in the new testament such an event occurred The first written account of such a miracle is recorded by the Apostles on the day of Pentecost. It is written, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold! Are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? Parthians, and Meds, and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, in Pontius, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the part of Livia about Syrine, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last ace, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, 
and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. This is probably the first success story of God leaping that language barrier curse. Although only a few ever experience it, it is one of the gifts of God. It is given to some to speak with tongues, and to another is given the interpretation of tongues. And all these gifts come from God for the benefit of the children of God. Paul the Apostle had the gift of tongues and said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet he continued to say he would rather speak five words with my understanding than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. There is a great blessing that can be enjoyed by the gift of tongues, but there are many other gifts of the Spirit, too. They are all a part of the work of God, as Urson Pratt explains. We find a great many gifts besides those I have mentioned. The gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the discerning of spirits, and the beholding of angels, were all given in ancient times by the Spirit, and the church possessing them was compared to the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul, in order to show the necessity of all these gifts, when comparing them to the body of the man, says, The whole system is necessary, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you in the body, for it is absolutely necessary there. Neither can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you, no, the feet are necessary. And even the most imperfect, or simplest member of the human system could not be dispensed with without making a schism in the body. Says Paul, speaking to the church and dash, you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. God has said in the church, first apostles, second prophets, after that teachers, workers of miracles, speakers with tongues, interpreters of tongues. All these different ones are members of the body of Christ. Now, have we any right to say to the lowest of these members, we have no need of you in the body? Supposing a teacher should say to the speaker in tongues and dash, I have no need of you, now in the body, the Lord has a different kind of a body on the earth from what he had 1800 years ago, and we do not need you now. Another says to the interpreter of tongues and dash, we have persons who have studied all these languages, and we do not need a person to interpret tongues, by the Spirit, now, we can dispense with this principle from the body of Christ. Journal of Discourses It is essential that men look to God to overcome their own transgressions and the failings of their forefathers. By learning how to use the gifts of God, men can overcome many other failings just as they do the language problem. Problem The gift of tongues was a miracle and many were converted because of the great power of God which was manifest on that day of Pentecost. However, the miracle of the gift of tongues is not as important as many other gifts. Indeed it has often proven to be a snare. The prophet Joseph Smith gives a beautiful discourse on these manifestations of the Spirit. The Lord cannot always be known by the thunder of His voice by the display of his glory or by the manifestation of his power and those that are the most anxious to see these things are the least prepared to meet them 
and were the Lord to manifest his power as he did to the children of Israel, such characters would be the first to say, Let not the Lord speak any more, lest we his people die. We would say to the brethren, Seek to know God in your closets, call upon him in the fields. Follow the directions of the Book of Mormon, and pray over and for your families, your cattle, your flocks, your herds, your corn, and all things that you possess. Ask the blessing of God upon all your labors, and everything that you engage in. Be virtuous and pure. Be men of integrity and truth. Keep the commandments of God. And then you will be able more perfectly to understand the difference between right and wrong and dash between the things of God and the things of men. And your path will be like that of the just, which shineth brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Be not so curious about tongues. Do not speak in tongues except there be an interpreter present. The ultimate design of tongues is to speak to foreigners, and if persons are very anxious to display their intelligence, let them speak to such in their own tongues. The gifts of God are all useful in their place, but when they are applied to that which God does not intend, they prove an injury, a snare and a curse instead of a blessing. We may some future time enter more fully into this subject, but shall let this suffice for the present. These gifts are blessings given for a specific purpose not particularly to be a show-and-tell miracle to prove that it is the only place where God is working. Many men may be inspired, but will not demonstrate any show of miracles. The prophet elaborates on this doctrine, too. There is a difference between the kingdom of God and the fruits and blessings that flow from the kingdom. Because there were more miracles, gifts, visions, healings, tongues, etc., in the days of Jesus Christ and his apostles, and on the day of Pentecost, then under John's administration, it does not prove by any means that John had not the kingdom of God, any more than it would that the woman had not a milk pan, because she had not a pan of milk, for while the pan might be compared to the kingdom, the milk might be compared to the blessings of the kingdom. Chapter 4 Many Gifts of the Spirit Many gifts of the Spirit. The Gift of Speaking in Tongues, Chapter 3 of the Gift of Tongues, pages 19 to 23. It is assumed that no one can speak a foreign language until he has first learned it. However, in the New Testament, such an event occurred. The first written account of such a miracle is recorded by the apostles on the day of Shavuot, or Pentecost. It is written, quote, And when the day of Shavuot, or the Gentiles call it Pentecost, was fully come, there were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound of heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. So the Spirit rested upon each of these uh, disciples, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
and there while dwelling at Jerusalem, or Yerushalayim, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together, and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So not only is this the gift of, of tongues, but this is the gift of hearing, because they spake, everyone heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? And they knew that because they had a different dialect. Kind of like if you go to Alabama, and you're from Utah, you know that there's a different dialect, right? So they knew that because the Galileans had a different dialect, but still the same language. And how here we, every man in our own tongue, whereon we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, I guess, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and and in Judah and Cappadocia, and in Pontus, and in Asia, page 20, and in Phygia, and in Pamphylia, and in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Serene, and the strangers of Rome, for the Gentiles, for the Goyim of Rome, and Jews, and proselytes, so Jews that are Orthodox Jews, and proselytes who are Jews or Gentiles who are uh, follow the you know follow the Messiah Jesus or Yeshua Cretes and Arabians we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God and they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another what meaneth this so this great miracle is happening and they're witnessing it and they're hearing everyone speak and they know what they're saying, but they know that they're Galileans because they're hearing the dialect, you know, of these people that are speaking. And others mocked and said, these men are full of new wine. See, not everybody heard it. When I was up in Caldwell, Idaho, or Napa, or wherever it was, I was in a flying jail one time, and I was preaching to three men. And two of them felt the Spirit, actually three. But only one saw the light and the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God rest upon me. The other ones didn't see it. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by Joel the prophet. And it's kind of funny. So he's not saying, hey, we don't get drunk. It's the third hour of the day. You know, we've got, we got work to do. We're not, we're not sitting around drinking all the day. You know, he didn't say, oh, we don't drink. Because <laughs> the, uh, the, the Old Testament says, be not, be not drunkard. But, you know, new wine, which is what they drank wasn't grape juice. They didn't have a fermentation process where they could make grape juice. All new wine is among the Hebrew Israelites is wine that has been fermented, which doesn't take hardly any time at all, a week or two. And anything that is under a year old is called new wine. But anyway, 
And this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, so it's the last days of, I don't know, their dispensation, I don't know. Anyway, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. It's probably, it's pretty interesting because when Moroni appeared to Joseph Smith, he gave him a list of scriptures, and he spoke of this scripture in Joel, and said these things were about to come to pass. And we know that we're in the last days, and that people are having visions and revelations and dreams. And you know what's interesting? If they step beyond their bounds uh, that the LDS church has laid out for them and they witness the visions and the dreams and the revelations that God has shown to these individuals, others of the church will say, well, you're not the prophet, seer, and revelator. You're not allowed to have these gifts. But in Joel it says that that these things will be poured out upon all of, of the people of God. Just an observation. This is probably the first success story of God lifting that language barrier curse, although only a few ever experienced it. It is one of the gifts of God. It is given to some to speak with tongues, and to others is given the interpretation of tongues. And all of these gifts came from God for the benefit of the children of God. Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, verse 24. Paul the Apostle had the gift of tongues and said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, verse 18. Yet he continued to say he would rather speak five words with my understanding than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 19. See, the gift of tongues without the interpretation of tongues does not edify. You can praise God with the gift of tongues, and that's fine, but, but if there's no interpretation of tongues, like that's, that's part of the gift of tongues. You know, in the Pentecostal church that I go to, I have never heard any of them ever give an interpretation. Not once. And I've never been given an interpretation either. For them, anyway. But anyway, continuing on. Page 21. There is a great blessing that can be enjoyed by the gift of tongues, but there are many other gifts of the Spirit, too. They are all part of the work of God, as Orson Pratt explains below. Quote, We find a great many gift besi- gifts besides those I have mentioned. The gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the discerning of spirits, and the beholding of angels. We are all given in ancient times by the Spirit. Uh, they were all given in ancient times by the Spirit, and the church possessing them was compared to the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul, in order to show the necessity of all these gifts when comparing them to the body of a man, 
says the whole system is necessary. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you in the body, for it is absolutely necessary there. Neither can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. No, the feet are necessary. And even the most imperfect and simplest member of the human system could not be dispensed without making a scheme in the body, a schism in the body. Says Paul, speaking to the church, you are the body of Christ and the members in particular. God has set in the church first apostles and second prophets. After the teachers, workers of miracles, speakers with tongues and the interpretation of tongues. All of these different ones are members of the body of Christ. Now we have, now have we any right to say to the lowliest members, the lowliest of these members, we have no need of you in the body? Supposing the teacher should say to the speaker in tongues, I have no need of you. Now in the body, the Lord has a different kind of body on the earth from what he had 1,800 years ago. And we do not need you now. Others say that we have interpreters of tongues. We have persons who have studied all these languages and do not need a person to interpret tongues by the Spirit. Now, we can dispense with this principle from the body of Christ. Journal of Discourses. Volume 16, page 191. So that was Orson Pratt. And you know, we don't see the gift of tongues a whole lot within the corporate church today, which is sad because that's one of the fruits of the Spirit that show that the church is still alive. So I'll let you ponder upon that, if you will. It is essential that men look to God to overcome their own transgressions and the failings of their forefathers. By learning how to use the gift of God, the gifts of God, men can overcome many other failings just as they do the language problem. Page 22. The gift of tongues was a miracle, and many were converted because of the great power of God which was manifest on that day of Pentecost or Shavuot. However, the miracle of the gift of tongues is not as important as many other gifts. Indeed, it is often it has often proved to be a snare. The prophet Joseph Smith gives a beautiful discourse on these manifestations of the Spirit. The Lord cannot always be known by the thunder of his voice, by the display of his glory, or by the manifestation of his power. And those that are most anxious to see these things are the least prepared to meet them. And we were the Lord to manifest his power as did as he did to the children of Israel, and such, ca- such characters would be the first to say, let not the Lord speak any more, lest we, his people, die. We would say to the brethren, seek to know God in your closets. Call upon him in the fields. Follow the directions of the Book of Mormon and pray over and for all your families, your cattle, your flocks, your herds, your corn, and all things that you possess. Ask the blessings, the blessing of God upon all your labors and everything that you engage in. Be virtuous and pure. Be men of integrity. I would say be women of integrity too. 
be men of integrity and truth. Keep the commandments of God, and then you will be able to more perfectly you'll be able to more perfectly understand the difference between right and wrong because the things of God and the things of men, between the things of God and the things of men, and your path will be like that of the just, which shineth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. See, the more time we spend with God, the more time we spend in scripture study and praying and pondering over the things of God, the more he'll reveal to us. And as we get confirmation and move forward in knowledge of the gospel, he will give us more and more and more until the perfect, the perfect day. People who seek after these gifts, but they don't do these other things, they may never see the gifts. I personally, can just share my own experience. That I did not seek for these gifts, but I sought to build up the kingdom of God, to learn as much as I could to be the greatest missionary that I was able to be, to be in the service of God. And as I sought truth, and I sought revelation, God gave me more and more of these gifts, and the veil began to open to me. Now, when the veil opens, you know, the, the, the enemy comes in and he tries to give you false gifts. But as we turn to God in all things with a believing heart, Satan will see that we are actually growing closer to God because of what he's doing and he will stop. But continuing on in all good faith, seeking the things of God... Eventually, your spirit will become so uh, will become strong. Just like when you go to the gym and you work out, you don't get to the point of being toned and building muscle and endurance without work. And it's the same thing with the spirit. Anyway, continuing on. I well, actually, basically, what I want to say is that when you're on that path, God will give you gifts as he sees fit and you should ask for them but just continue to build your relationship with God to seek for confirmation of the spirit and ask for revelation and inspiration and when God sees fit he will give you the gifts that he wants to give you not the ones that you want anyway continuing on be not so curious about tongues. Do not speak in tongues except there be an interpreter present. The ultimate design of tongues is to speak to foreigners. And if persons are very anxious to display their intelligence, let them speak to such in their own tongues. The gifts of God are all useful in their place, but they are applied to that which God does not intend. But when they are applied to that which God does not intend, Intend they prove an injury, a snare, and a curse instead of a blessing. We may some future time enter more fully into this subject, but shall let this su- suffice for the present. That was Jer- uh, Joseph Smith as recorded in Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 5, page 31. Now we're on page 23, which is the last page of this chapter. 
If you have any questions or comments, you can call in. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. These gifts are blessings given for the specific purpose, not particularly to be a show and tell miracle to prove that it is the only place where God is working. Many men may be inspired, but not will not demonstrate any show of miracles. The prophet Joseph Smith elaborated on this doctrine as well. Quote, there is a difference between the kingdom of God and the fruits and blessings that flow from that kingdom. Because we, there were more miracles, gifts, visions, healings, tongues, etc. in the days of Jesus Christ and his apostles, and on the day of Pentecost, or Shavuot, then under John's administration, it does not prove by any means that John had not the kingdom of God, any more than it would that a, that a woman had not a milk pan because she had not a pan of milk. For while the pan might be compared to the kingdom, the milk might be compared to the blessings of the kingdom. And that was Joseph Smith, Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 5, page 258. So that's the end of the chapter for today. When we come back on for the reading next Monday, we'll be in chapter 4 on page 24. And the gift, the title of that chapter in the Gift of Tongues book is Many Gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for listening. Hello? I think that's in your friend. Uh, the clip you played. Is there anything you want me to do, Dan? Are you there? You're muted. Okay. Uh, Dad, are you there? says you're here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm just getting loaded. I was trying to get something done real quick. Okay, okay so yeah, that was the uh, reading for today. Um, Emmett, do you have time to read the next chapter in how to qualify for the Celestial Kingdom today? Uh, I think so. Okay. Well, go ahead and get that ready, and I'll I'll talk for a minute. Okay, I gotta go find the book. Okay, so uh, tomorrow's program is gonna be a little bit different. I've already prepared it, but it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to listen to. It doesn't have anything to do with theology. I'm talking to the listening audience on this. It has to do with the suicide of the United States and the Western countries, which we are witnessing right now at this time. Uh, the person that is speaking. Yeah. The person that's speaking 
is going to swear a lot. Just how he talks. And I'm not offended by it. I don't care. But I know a lot of over-religious people might get offended. But the information that he's going to present, you need to know it. I have been warning people for years to leave the cities and to leave the populated areas. I've also told you that God has told me to tell people to gather to Emory County. Now, I've met a couple of people who have gathered to Emory County who who have gathered there because God told them to, independent of me. But I'm telling you that you need to gather to Emory County, that this is a staging area. And then when things get too dangerous, that we will go down into uh, northwest of Lake Powell. But you need to know what's going on right now because your media outlets are lying to you. They are lying to you about what is happening in this country and what is happening around the world and how the United States just lost its uh, world reserve, uh, currency reserve. And, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you need to know about it. So, um, so we're going to be listening to this guy. I've, I've been listening to him for a while. One of his channels on YouTube is called Coach Red Pill, CRP. <laughs> anyway, but people, you need to listen. You need to take these things serious. So that will be the program for tomorrow. We won't be taking any calls. In fact, I'm just going to upload it um, sometime tomorrow. I'll probably be, probably be 4 6, so you can listen to it anytime after I upload it. But you know what? This is information you need to know. And people who continue to ignore this message and ignore these warnings, well, you know what? I proclaim to be the man like unto Moses. And in Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, maybe it's 3, uh, the man like unto Moses, it says, if you will not, all they who will not hear his voice will be cut off from among the people. Zion is not going to be a lot of people. The remnant that Isaiah saw, small group of people. But you need to, uh, you need to separate yourself. Yep, I just got it. It's 935, headed down with the two-tube. All right. Like these whiny people. Like there's a display board. So we, when we get pulled, or when we pull under, when we pull under the chute, um, we get loaded from the top with all the coal goes on a conveyor belt through the chute and uh, it's all automated and when we get done there is a uh, excuse me there's a, a ticket number that it gives us on the display in front of us and like I don't know why everybody trusts everybody else because I've been given ticket numbers wrong so many times that I don't write anything down until I get the ticket number but these other whiny guys, and yeah, they're whiny, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, they want that ticket number right now. You know, and I just barely got that ticket number off the dis- 
display board, and that guy's like, Oh, you got a ticket number for me? Like, not for you. <laughs> now you heard what I said. What I wanted to say was not for you, but... And I usually give him the ticket number as soon as I go down, you know, but I wait. Anyway, so tomorrow's program is going to be explicit. You've been warned. You'll be warned in the program. It's already pre-recorded. It's all ready to go. But uh, it's, it's important information, and you're going to want to listen. So anyway, uh, Emmett, go ahead. Uh, do you have the... Uh, what we're going, uh, what you're going to be reading, the chapter six of how to how to qualify for the celestial kingdom today. Emma, I cannot you hear you. In- what are you doing? Uh, I was trying to unmute myself and I hit the wrong thing. Hi. How uh, do you hit that button on the other side of the studio? It's on the other side of the studio. How is it possible to hit that button when you're trying to unmute yourself? I wasn't unmuting myself on the studio. I went to hit the top thing, and, like, the base of my thumb hit the phone and played that. <laughs> oh, so you're not using the computer to do the studio like I've asked no, you to No, because Olivia's using the computer for her homework. How many computers do we own? Two, but one of them doesn't turn on because you moved the TV, and I can't hook it up to it. Uh huh. And we own laptops too. We've got like three laptops, two computers. No idea where any of those are. Don't know why. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to call mom because mom said that she was going to call into the radio program 37 minutes ago. She's on the phone with Lydia right now. 40 minutes ago. She never did call in. What is she doing on the phone with Lydia helping her to prepare her? Homework. Lydia, what's mom doing on the phone with you? Ted wants to know. She's getting Wendy's. She's at Wen. She's at Wendy. The hamburger place, Wendy's, and she didn't call yes, and ask me if I wanted. Seriously. Tell mom dad wants stuff. Why is it that she's on the phone with her when she's at Wendy's? Why is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know either. All right, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to call mom. the radio show. Yeah, I, I will. I'll remind her that she said that she would. And that she... <laughs> uh, mom wants like, to know if you want like Wendy's could... or not Wendy's or Arby's. You know what? <laughs> she's actually better. <laughs> She's actually better than most of the listening audience because at least she does listen sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I know I got uh, I got diehard listeners, but uh, most of them are like you know they come in, they listen to me what? for a little bit, then they walk away, go into the darkness. You know, people who aren't used to the light are more comfortable in the darkness. Oh, they think they're in the light, but as soon as the brilliant light of day hits their dark faces, oh, they go back into the shadows right now. Anyway, um, I'm going to give Mom a call. Go ahead, Emma, and uh, start the reading, and hopefully I can get her back on the program or to be on the program for the first time today, period. Anyway, bye.
I'll be back in just okay. a minute. I think we are, what chapter are we on? I think we are on chapter six. You didn't uh, put a bookmark in it when you read it uh, yesterday? No, I have the other book. You have the other book? So where's the book that yeah. you're reading from? Uh, we have two books. Yeah, I was so like, uh, okay. Book. I don't know. I couldn't find the other book. That's what I'm reading out of this. But I think that it was chapter 5 that we read yesterday. Because, yeah, there was that. And we talked about that. And there was all those. Yeah, I think so. Um, as soon as I find that other book, I'll say whether or not it was. Sorry, um, somebody was trying to talk to me on the CB radio, so I muted myself. Go ahead. What was the chapter called, Emmett? I think we're on chapter six. That's what I was saying, because this one had a bookmark for chapter six in it, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, it's chapter six, The Three Dimensions of Man. Uh, okay. Yeah. What's the chapter, chapter five before that, the love of God or something? Temporal and spiritual realities. Oh, yeah. Remember how you were kept on saying temporal? Sound like... Temporal? With a, with a long temporal. O? Temporal. Can you say temporal? But but there's an O. Temporal. <laughs> I, I don't care. In Utah, there's a T, but most people say Utah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's Layton. 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 Yeah, in Utah, they forget to pronounce certain letters. Layton. Layton. Anyway. Layton. Uh, okay. Yeah, Layton, Utah. I used to live there. You know, if, if you're okay. not from if you're not from Layton, you say Layton, and then we know that you're not you're not one of us. It's like down in southern Utah, there's a, a place called Hurricane, not Hurricane. I don't care what it says. It's Hurricane. <laughs> Hurricane Utah. Hurricane Utah. Can you hear Olivia talking right. to Mom in the background? <laughs> yes. Why is she talking to Mom in the background? She's grounded. Lydia, no, no. Bad, bad Lydia, no, no. Okay, okay. go ahead I'm and read. Start I'm the gonna... reading. Of, I'm going to call mom, seeing as how she's ignoring us today for some reason. Tell her I want Say sushi bye. and jalapeno poppers. Goodbye, while you. Okay, <laughs> continuing. Uh, and by continuing, I mean starting. Hello, Tucker. Chapter 6 of How to Qualify for the Celestial Kingdom Today, The Three Dimensions of Man. Man has three integrated dimensions to his being. These are intellectual, physical, and spiritual. We must keep these in proper balance if we wish to develop God's love in our lives. Man's intelligence is that part of him which has always existed. It was not created, nor can it be. It is free to act and function within its sphere, or within the sphere in which Heavenly Father has placed it. Intelligence is light and truth. D&C, section 93, verses 29 to 30. Hold on. This dimension of man is free to choose good or evil. A person is accountable for his choices. Helaman, chapter 14, verse 30 to 31. This is the dimension, the dimension 
that allows him to choose how he will feel, think, and act. For the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. D&C, section 58, verse 29. Man's spiritual dimension consists of man's intelligence, clothed or clothed with a spiritual body. God is the father of our spirits, and so created them. Hebrews chapter 19, or chapter 12, verse 9, Numbers chapter 16, verse 22, and chapter 27, verse 16. This is the dimension of man that experiences deep feelings of love, tenderness, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. This dimension is nourished and grows through giving of itself, through love, but it shrivels and atrophies through taking, through selfishness, hatred, and contention. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. When one was born into earth life, his intelligence clothed with the spiritual body is integrated with the physical body into a unified functioning system. The physical body has needs that must be provided for it or for in order for it to maintain itself alive. That is the weirdest sentence I've ever read. Such things exist. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Read it again. I just got back off the phone with mom. I want to know what the weirdest sentence that you've ever read in your whole life is. The physical body has needs that must be provided for in order for in order for it to maintain itself alive. Yes, it does. <laughs> you I have mean, to yeah. Eat. You have to breathe. If you do not eat and you do not breathe and you do not partake of water, you will cease. Well, you will not cease to exist. But your body will not live anymore. <laughs> And it'll still be there. It just won't be animated. So why is that a weird sentence? It was just like the way it was phrased the first time I read it. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Emmett. I'll mute myself. Okay. Continuing on. These fiscal needs, along with other associated uh, appetites passions and desires can become exaggerated until they dominate the whole system, weakening and even destroying the intellectual and the spiritual. This is what has happened to people who are enslaved by their passions and wants. Lusting out of control for things such as money, sex, food, drugs, or material possessions. But when a person meets the normal needs of the physical in normal balance ways, his physical dimension provides pleasure and satisfaction. The physical body is meant to be controlled by the spiritual. Physical appetites, passions, and desires are meant to work in harmony with the needs and strengths of the spirit. Both body and spirit are subject to the directing, independent power of the intelligence. And there's like another part, or like a subtitle. Uh, what's it called? A paragraph header. Dynamics of man's three dimensions. Man needs food, rest, and exercise, and warmth, love, protection, and experience for his growth and well-being. The three dimensions of man provide these necessities. However, if one dimension is not allowed to function properly, then the basic needs of man are not satisfied and some type of disorder sets in. If the physical body is not fed, exercised, protected, and given proper rest, 
the whole man cannot function and will eventually die, even though he may be meditating spiritually 24 hours a day. If a person provides for his physical body at the expense of his spiritual body, his deep spiritual needs for love, goodness, kindness, tenderness, or acceptance will be neglected and will shrivel up and die. A spiritual deficiency develops within him. Hold on. Oh, I had a cough. That was a bad one. Continuing on. Spiritual deficiency develops within him, which he tries to meet through further physical action. But of course, the physical body cannot satisfy spiritual needs. The body can only feel spiritually the pure love of Christ when it is in harmony with its spiritual dimension. As the intelligence of man keeps the proper balance between spiritual and physical, great growth, happiness, and peace prevails. A modern prophet has said, There is another part of us, not so tangible, but quite as real as our physical body. The intangible part of us is described as mind, emotion, intellect, temperament, and many other things. Very seldom is it described as spiritual. But there is a spirit in man. To ignore it is to ignore reality. There are spiritual disorders, too, and spiritual diseases that can cause intense suffering. The body and the spirit of man are bound together. Sorry, I had to cough really bad again all of a sudden. Often, very often, when there are disorders, it is difficult to tell which is which. There are basic rules of physical health that have to do with rest, nourishment, exercise, and with abstaining from those things which damage the body. Those who violate the rules one day pay for their foolishness. There are also rules of spiritual health, simple rules that cannot be ignored. For if they, or if they are, they we will reap in sorrow by and by. Or we will reap sorrow by and by. All of us experience some temporary physical sickness. All of us now and again may be spiritually ill as well. Too many of us, however, are chronic, chronically spiritually sick. We don't need to stay that way. We can learn to avoid spiritual infections and maintain good spiritual health. Even though we have a serious physical ailment, we have to be spirit or we can be spiritually healthy. Uh there's a footnote. Uh Boyd K. Packer Conference Report, October nineteen seventy seven, page eighty nine. Uh we are on page sixty four now. Anything to say, Dad? No. Tim, you're on, uh, you're muted. Uh do you have anything to say? Okay. Yeah, we're just all sitting here listening to you. Okay. 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 Continuing on then. (laughs) The spiritual body needs to feel the pure love of Christ in order to grow and develop fully. As spiritual needs are met, one is better able to control and meet the needs of the physical body. By feeling the pure love of Christ, the individual will better be able to sense and express deep feelings for others, or deep feelings of others. He will be able to feel deep respect for himself. He will be better able to handle rejection from others, as well as failure in the world. A married couple who has all three dimensions in order will experience their love for each other through a sexual union, which will be an expression of reverence, respect, and unity from deep within themselves. In contrast, if their 
If their physical appetites, passions, and desires dominate, and the spiritual aspects of their relationship are neglected, then their sexual union becomes a taking experience instead of a giving one. And that each human needs each person has will go unmet. In time, unable or unwilling to repair their spiritual dimensions, these frustrated, unhappy people may seek to satisfy these deep, unmet needs from others, or with others outside of their marriage. They seek for happiness in doing doing iniquity, which is or which thing is contrary to the nature of that righteousness which is in our great and eternal hand. Helaman chapter thirteen verse thirty eight. <laughs> Hold on. Oh. I don't know why I'm having such a bad cough today. The physical body alone cannot fill the deep spiritual needs for understanding, love, tenderness, and affectionate companionship. Without the spiritual dimension, a person cannot fully experience love and acceptance for others or for himself, let alone for Heavenly Father. On the other hand, however, as one develops his spiritual or his spiritual feelings, he draws closer to the Holy Ghost. That member of the Godhead Godhead is a sign to help him grow spiritually to subdue the lust and wants of the flesh, and to develop, magnify, and purify all of the natural passions and affections. The gift of the Holy Spirit adapts itself to all these organs or attributes. It quickens all of the intellectual uh, faculties, increases, enlarges, oh, it's, no, it is faculties, that's weird, expands and purifies all the natural passions and affections, and adapts them by the gift of wisdom to their lawful use. It inspires, develops, cultivates, and matures all the fine-toned sympathies, joys, tastes, kindred feelings, and affections of our nature. It inspires virtue, kindness, goodness, tenderness, gentleness, and charity. It develops beauty of person, form, and features. It tends to health, vigor, animation, and social feeling. It develops and invigorates all of the facilities of the physical and intellectual man. It strengthens, invigorates, and gives tone to the nerves. In short, it is, as it were, marrow to the bone, joy to the heart, light being to the eyes, music to the ears, and life to the whole being. And there's another footnote. Uh, Parley P. Pratt, Key to the Science of Theology, George Q. Cannon and Sons Company, 19... 19- or 1891, page uh, 101 to 102. When man neglects the spiritual dimension, he cuts off that part of himself which can experience and share love and joy and peace. Sadly enough, he also cuts off that part of himself that can communicate with God, can feel God's love, and can be sensitive to his own deep feelings for himself. He becomes alone, separated from others, from God, and even from himself. This alienation occurs through spiritual neglect, or by treating oneself in ways contrary to one's true nature. When one recognizes his true worth as a son or daughter of God, born and reared in the courts of glory by heavenly parents, then he will act in ways that match his true identity, and these actions will facilitate growth and development of all three of his dimensions. But when one acts contrary to that real identity, he becomes alienated from others and from himself. This brings about frustration, anxiety, conflict, and eventually physical, spiritual, and intellectual sickness. For example, if a person stimulates his physical appetites, passions, and desires through pornography, he is acting contrary to his real identity. His actions are offensive to his spiritual development. 
as he participates more and more in pornographic things, his spiritual dimension atrophies, and his need for love, tenderness, and close relationships with others becomes magnified. Soon, a great gnawing deficiency exists within himself. Though he tries with all his physical strength and endurance to satisfy, satisfy this great deficiency, he will be unsuccessful. Man can feel love, closeness, caring only through his spiritual dimension. It is only through the spiritual dimension that one feels love for others or for self or for God. How can we know this is so? Because those who experience and develop this spiritual dimension are the ones who give to or give of self to others even when they are rejected, put down, or made fun of. We're now on page 66. This is like the second to last page. Anything to say? Nope. You're doing a good job. Uh, are you learning anything from this? Uh, yeah, sort of. Uh, I, I was just going to say that it is very accurate. I've noticed people... I've lived near people who have... It's hard to understand you. Start over. Um, okay. I don't know. I'm on the car phone, so I don't know how well I can change. Okay. Start over. Okay. Um, I was just going to say it's very true because all of... uh, I've met a lot of people who have had those types of addictions, and no matter how far or how deep they get into the addiction, it doesn't satisfy that. They still want more, and that's why things evolve into even worse um, or heinous crimes and attacks on their soul and on others around them. Because they they lose respect for themselves and their whole body and their health and everything go down the drain. Yeah, you can see it in their countenance. Yeah, unfortunately, Kim and I have, have dealt with a lot of family members with drug addictions, and Kim has never dealt with drug addictions personally, but I have. So I understand those things pretty good. Uh, and I, I'm i glad I understand them, but uh, I don't ever want to have to go through that mess ever again. So anyway... Okay, well, go ahead, Emma. Okay, well, I'm going to finish the reading, probably. I remember the stake president receiving a call one afternoon from a Melchizedek priesthood holder. I could tell by his voice that his business was urgent. Quickly, I reorganized my appointments for the afternoon and hurried over to the church. There, a brother slowly unfolded a long tale of involvement and participation in various sexual sins. Massage parlors, R-rated movies... R-rated and X-rated movies, pornographic activity, masturbation. It was evident, as we talked about his attitudes and feelings, that he couldn't feel love within himself. He didn't feel Heavenly Father's love, nor the love of his wife and children, nor his quorum's love, though they were all there in abundance. A A church court is a cleansing process, not a condemning process. And as he progressed through this experience, through the steps of repentance, I noticed changes occurring. First, the appetites, passions, and desires of the flesh that had controlled him had previously or had previously controlled him became weaker. He wanted now to do spiritual things, to help others. He wanted to do what was good and right. He wanted to stay away from those places which he had tempted or been tempted by and which had tempted him previously. Next, I noticed that he began to feel the love of his wife and children, and he was able to give them his love in return. 
Before, he had been depressed, alone, and frustrated. He had walked in spiritual darkness. But now he felt love, joy, and happiness. Now he walked in spiritual light. Before, he had been controlled by his physical appetites, passions, and desires. And now his spiritual self was in control. One of the inescapable results of overstimulation, or overstimulating the desires of the flesh is a weakening of the spiritual sensitives or sensitivities creating a greater need to be loved and accepted. Those who sincerely repent and come into the spiritual light seem to be able to meet this need for love, but those who choose to remain in spiritual darkness inevitably try to fill their deficiency through further physical activity. And though they achieve a temporary relief of some sort, they never reach a point where they can truly love themselves or others unconditionally. They cannot achieve charity. Their minds are so centered on their own needs that they cannot give of themselves for others. Therefore, they cannot grow spiritually. But as a man focuses his entire being, heart, and mind, and strength on God and his realm, spiritual growth takes place, which expands his capacity for charity. He is able to feel greater love for God, for others, and for himself. As one's spirituality increases, he is able to see the events in the temporal world, or the temporal world, through spiritual eyes. Adversity has no meaning. He receives increased energy to endure. Flowers, trees, mountains, people all contribute to increase his love for God. By his own choice, he has chosen to keep all the dimensions of his being in harmony and unified. That is the end of chapter 5, 6, 6, chapter 6. My niece. Anything to say? I'm in Cat Canyon. I'm going to break up for a second. Cool, cool. Mom, where are you? Also cool, also cool. Um, The next chapter we're reading is going to be Chapter 7, and it is called... Oh, I just flipped past it. Uh, feeling self-worth. Tim, nobody can hear you. Anyway, I'm just coming into Wellington, Utah now. Okay. I heard to the spur. That's cool. Yep. All right, well... Hold on, I got a copy. I don't have anybody uh, anybody with uh, questions or comments. I'll just say one thing real quick. Um, so because multiple mortal probations is a true doctrine, which was revealed by the prophet Joseph Smith in the lecture at the Grove shortly before his death, we know that Jesus lived many lifetimes on other worlds and that when John says that if all that Jesus did had been written the whole world would not be enough room to contain the books that would be written because he lived many many millions probably of lives he understands what it's like to be in the darkness He understands what it's like to be in the light. He understands what it's like to be a drug drug addict. He understands what it is like to be 
the husband and the father. He understands all these things because he's gone through it over and over. When in the book of uh, Revelations, John sees a new heaven and a new earth. Well, this earth, this was a new, a new earth. And our heaven, it was a new heaven to our pre-existent earth, to the place that we lived before we came into this probation. And this is the way and the progression of the children of God. We are all progressing. And we are given the opportunity to lay down our resurrection, to go on to a new earth, because we're damned in our state of resurrection. But as we go into another probation upon an earth, we are given opportunities where we can progress to a higher level of resurrection. And that's what it's all about. The whole thing, it's about progression. God doesn't send ignorant people to hell to, de- to destroy them in lake of fire and brimstone. This whole Dante's crap, you know, that was thought up in the 1300s or whenever it was thought up, it's a lot. There is a place of destruction. It is meant only for sons, not daughters, sons of perdition, period. End of story. Satan is a son of perdition. It is not meant for even even willful rebellious people. They go to a spirit prison, a spirit prison, which is uh, a place of on the radio show. I swear, you know, I tell him all the time, hey, I'm doing a radio show from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and he he likes to try to talk to me. Anyway, like, hey, guess what? This is Monday through Friday. You all know because that particular guy that was trying to talk to me, he outed me to the rest of the company. Well, did you know Mark does a radio show? I didn't want everybody to know, but whatever. Like... It's none of the business, you know, what I do with my, you know, with my beliefs, my theology and whatnot. So, anyway, but, um, so, Jesus understands what it's like to go through all these things because he has personally been through them. He has completed his atonement. For us, he's, he's completed the uh, the redemption of his people in the, uh, that were delivered from the bondage of death and hell, and he becomes our father through the law of adoption. But he understands. He's been through it all. Anyway, um, Kim, did you have anything to say, or Emma, did you have anything to say? I'm on wash plant, so it'd be great. Um. I don't have anything to say. I've got, as you can hear, kids in the background. Um, I am on my way over to you, so I will meet you over there. At the spur? Yeah, at the spur. Yep. That's where I'm headed. 
Okay, anyway, I I can hear Zamberly yapping in the background, even though she knows you're on the phone with me, so that's nice. I know. Anyway, um, okay, so that's pretty much the end of the program for today. Like I said, tomorrow we're going to, uh, I'm going to drop that program tomorrow, probably around 6 p.m., maybe earlier. But uh, it's going to be, you know, there's a lot of cussing. Just be warned. But the information is essential. It's vital to understand where we're at so we can waken up to a sense of our own awful situation. So anyway, all right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for commenting, Kim, and thank you for reading and commenting, Emma, and we will talk to everyone later. Um, Emma? Go ahead and cue the music. Thank you.